0: have your Bibles Turn to Matthew chapter 6 We're going to look at that text in a minute that Scott read This morning I want to share something with you before we get into that um, Since we have Lydia now playing piano for us I'm trying different hymns That we maybe have not done in the past Because it's good for us to be able to, to learn them When we can hear a piano playing the, the melody and uh, this song we did this morning we've done it a couple of times you know uh, this i think it's about the third time we've done it i i heard the song a long time ago it was written by charles wesley you've heard john and charles wesley brothers preachers um long ago and and they uh this was one of the songs that he uh he wrote uh and there's something i like about hymns they're theologically strong they There's a message being taught through the hymn. And I just want to read one verse. I want you to hear the words that you just sang. Maybe, you know, when you get a new song, you struggle with singing it until you learn it because you're trying to learn the melody and and maybe we don't hear the words. So I just want to read one verse. Um, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me whose cause is pain, for me who him to death death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? You get the message that's being shared through that song. So powerful and so foundational to what we believe and, and what we teach you know that music in a church this is extra i'm not going to charging for this today okay this is extra but but music in in a church service is designed should be designed to support the theology and the doctrine that's being taught okay uh, it's not for entertainment nothing wrong with entertainment entertainment is good in its proper setting but in worship, in a worship service, the purpose for the music is to support the doctrine that's being taught. And I can't think of a better hymn than that one, uh, to, to teach us the importance of, of the death and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus, okay? Uh, one of my favorite hymns, what's my favorite hymn? You should know this. Surely you know it. <laughs> no? mighty fortress is our god my favorite hymn right somebody got a recording of it it's on the cd over there in the piano bench i love that hymn and and, you know let me go ahead and tell you now if you should attend my funeral i want that song played and played loud okay mighty fortress is our god think of the doctrine that's being taught in that song sometimes in that older english writing and that was uh written by luther but but look at all of the message of that song that through the worst of times we have a fortress okay that's why i love that song so powerful um we're going to uh tomorrow night as i shared with you and it's for several weeks now i shared with you we've got a an event coming in our association that we haven't done in a long time it's an association-wide prayer meeting i want you to think about some of the points of this particular prayer meeting what are we doing tuesday it's election day right and with everything that's been going on in our country for the last couple of years my goodness we need to pray all right we just need to pray and especially uh, if we're going to vote. some of you have already voted and and that's good if you've done that but folks america needs prayer today more than any time i can remember we need to pray okay because um, if God's people don't come together to serve God together and bring our nation before God in prayer, we're done. We're done, okay? We need to pray. So I'm, I, I've am i been ranting and raving about that for a while now and been wondering when are Southern Baptists gonna pray? Well, we're doing it. Tomorrow night, and be at 6.30 at Holly Grove Baptist Church in, in Lawrence. Um, you come and be with us. And uh, it's going to be, kind. Of, we've done something like this one time here a few years ago. It will There'll be tables, it's in up the fellowship hall of that church where we'll be meeting. There'll be tables set up, round tables, and you'll be seated with uh, probably the people you go with. But uh, we're going to work through the Luke version of what we call the Lord's Prayer. This morning we're going to look at the Matthew version of it. There's a little bit of difference and I'll show you that when, when we get there. but um, we're using that as a guide not to pray the prayer word for word, but using it as a model for our prayer, which was what it was intended to be in the first place. And um, we're just going the name of the, the meeting tomorrow night we got a name for it is teach us to pray because that's what the disciples asked Jesus to do. Lord teach us to pray. And so we're gonna remember just what prayer is in the scripture and how our Lord uh, guides us in in praying. We're gonna look at that this morning. You know, 1 Thessalonians 517 was one of my seven o'clock in the morning verses this week. Pray without ceasing. That's the whole verse. All right? Pray, first Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. You know, how do you do that? How do you pray? all the time because that's what Paul meant he said we need to be in a frame of mind where we're praying continually all the time every day every waking moment and if you dream at night you're even dreaming about prayer how do you do that and I want to share with you how I do it is that you you must become so familiar with the story and the message and the teaching that's in the Bible That throughout your day, anything that happens in your life, anything that happens in your life, there's a biblical response in your mind. And that begins that process of continual prayer. Not out loud, maybe, sometimes maybe it is. But in your mind, you may be driving down the road. Keep your eyes open. But you may be driving down the road. You may be walking down the street. You may be at work or at home with your children or whatever. But something happens somebody says something um something happens in in the wherever you are or you hear about something in the news or you're having a conversation with somebody and you go right on with whatever you're doing in your life but your mind and your heart remembers what you learned in the word of god that's why daily bible reading is so important i begin my day that way all right and and you say well Preacher, I just don't have time for daily Bible reading. Well, what do you have time for every day? We all do stuff every day routinely. I watch certain TV shows or or we do certain things every day. We can make, we got time for what we make time for, okay? Uh, and and I I make it a point early in the morning, I get up and spend some time in the Word. Now, now I'm, for me as a minister, I may spend more time than the average person because later in the day I'm working on sermons and bible studies and whatever but but the point is for me i start my day in the word and it could be 15 minutes or 30 minutes or however much time you have in the morning Uh, if you're a parent your kids are getting up and and you're, you're trying to make time for them why just get up a little earlier you know and spend some time in the word and over a period of time over a period of time you learn to pray without ceasing. See? Now it's not something you're going to do tomorrow and just to say if you've not done it, you can say, well, I'm going to start doing that tomorrow morning. No, you won't. Okay? It takes time. As we mature, as we grow in our faith, uh, as the process of sanctification goes on in our life, the Lord building us up and making us more and more into his image every day, that process of continual prayer begins. <laughs> So I would encourage you, the first thing, the most important thing you need to do to learn to pray without ceasing is get in your Bible. Get in your Bible and devote some time every day, every day, seven days a week, devote some time to reading Scripture. Okay? Uh, you know, I, I've said for several years now, uh, pick a book in the Bible. There are 66 of them. Just pick one. Doesn't matter which one. Just pick one and read it. And don't go to another one until you finish the one you start. If you're going to do John's gospel, don't go over to Revelation until you get John's gospel done. You know, do them one at a time. And you know what? If you'll do that every day for 30 minutes a day, in about eight months you'll read through the whole Bible. You really will. And, um, you know, by the time you finish that, that scripture's working on you. God's working through his word in your life. And before you know it, you're praying without ceasing. That's just how it happens, okay? And and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Matthew 6 is usually called what? What do we call it? The Lord's Prayer, okay? Although he didn't pray this prayer. You know, he couldn't pray this prayer. There's a reason why Jesus could not pray this prayer because one of the statements in this prayer is forgive us our debts. Jesus never had to pray for forgiveness because he was sinless. Okay, so he didn't pray this prayer. There was another purpose for this particular prayer. This is a model. It's it's a format. Um, It's it's a way to to give us points to lead us in how to do to do prayer. It's called uh, technical term for would be it's called an index prayer. Okay. Um, and and what that means basically is you got a statement and you make other statements to that statement and you index all the way through there are ten basic statements in his prayer in Matthew's gospel Luke there's nine yeah okay? there's one that's not in Luke and we'll show you that's at the very end but but anyway it, you pray each statement one at a time and then you, you, you're you not going to pray the statement word for word Because that would even violate what is taught here But you use it as a guide And we'll go through that in a moment But Jesus is saying after this manner After this form, this way You ought to pray when he's asked to pray Let's look here uh, starting in verse 5 And we're going to work through these 10 verses And we'll share 10 statements with you To help us in our daily prayer life Verse uh, 5 uh, through 8 And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen to men. Verily I say to you, they already have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is a secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now, that's the first statement there. Prayer is not designed for your benefit. Did you know that? It's not designed for your benefit. Prayer is not designed for you to do as the hypocrites that Jesus talks about here, uh, to stand in the synagogues and corners of the streets so that they might be seen of others. It's not to make me look good. You know, have you ever seen people, there are some people that just seem to have trouble praying putting words to their prayer and then there are other people that just pray like somebody like Shakespeare just wrote it you ever seen people like that they can just stand up and without any it seems without any thought or anything like that they just words come out of their mouth that you think well they don't talk like that you know Uh, normally but they're saying the most beautiful words and the prayers you could you could publish the prayers that they pray they're they're so beautiful I've seen a lot of people like that Uh, We knew a man at a church that we went to when I was a child who, when called on to pray publicly, he would stand up and just, oh my goodness, you know, everybody in the church was moved by his prayer. And that's just the way he prayed. Uh, And and I'm not saying he was like Jesus is talking here, but there are some people that are like that. But we had a guy in my home church. uh, I just read this prayer out of the King James Bible. Now, a lot of times I use a different translation, using King James today. And this fellow prayed King James prayers. Some of us do. Thee, thou, thy, you know, we we pray like that when we pray. And I wonder why. Is King James English like a holy language for, I mean, no, it's not. It's a language that was spoken 500 years ago. All right. And, um, but we read the Bible so much, we perhaps we talked that way but this fella he would get up and he would pray and oh my goodness it was just king james king james would have learned from him the way the guy prayed all right and and when he prayed it was it was a showtime because it would go on for you know the the pastor preached his sermon and the guy would get up to pray and pray longer than the pastor preached you know and and it, it was you get the feeling you know what i'm saying And here's what Jesus says. Don't pray that way. Don't pray to be seen of men. Because you need to remember who you're talking to in the first place. You're not talking to other men. All right? When you pray, you're talking to one specific person. You're talking to God. Right? And he said, when you pray, this idea of going into your closet or going into a private place and let it be between you and God. Now we have corporate prayer, that's when a lot of us come together. We have a prayer group that meets once a week where we pray around a table about needs that we know about. Uh, That's a different kind of prayer, but when you're praying, you need to get where it's you and God. Find somewhere where you can talk to God alone. And you deal with God from the honesty and integrity of your heart, led by the scripture, you talk to God. You do it alone. And then Jesus said, when you do that, when you pray in secret, your Father who hears in secret will what? reward you openly. Okay? That's a promise from the Lord. So the first thing is understand that prayer is not meant to lift me up. All right? Second thing, let's go on to the next two verses, um, verse uh, 7 and 8. But when you pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Um, don't, this warning against vain repetition. Well, what in the world is that? Well, I think the, the way this came, uh, I understood it. The first time I really understood this, I was watching a news story on television that was filmed in Iran uh, in a Muslim community. And there was a group of men, Muslim men, that were going through one of their prayers and they would take whips and beat their backs, okay? And they felt like through their suffering and through that that somehow God was hearing better their prayer. I've seen pictures of people in India that observe the Hindu religion. Some of the strangest things to us would be very strange ways that they pray. They have to even go through certain physical uh, positions and other things when they have their prayer time. To somehow or another connect them to whatever God they're talking to, and uh, there are others that do things like that in strange, different, strange religions. But you know, those there are some that call themselves Christians that use vain repetition. Your blessing, we say the same words every day, every time we have a blessing before we eat. Same words we used yesterday. You know, um, I'm guilty of that. Okay, we, um, you know, th- this prayer that we're going to read in a moment, the Lord's prayer, what we call it. There are those that believe that you pray that prayer word for word and God will hear it. We're never told that in scripture, but there are those that do that. There are religions that that teach you uh, to um, seek, to find uh, forgiveness for some sin. The priest in the Catholic Church may tell you to go and say 10 our fathers or whatever, this prayer. And you say that and then somehow the sin is taken care of no but that's vain repetition you see that's vain repetition taking this beautiful prayer and then doing that with it, it wasn't designed for that here's the idea there's no ma- magic trick to get god to listen to you you pray from from your heart from from your mind from your understanding of god's word you bring that before god okay and and we there's no magic trick no magic formula no religious practice or anything else that i need to do to get god to hear me so don't do that don't do that jesus said don't use those vain repetitions because he said your father already knows what you need so all that's unnecessary okay but he gives us a format here he gives us a manner of prayer starting in verse 9 He says, after this manner or in this form or in this way, you should pray. We're going to go through each statement, all right? First, you pray, our Father who art in heaven. I need to be very clear when I begin my prayers, I know who I'm talking to. And I'm going to pray remembering who it is that I'm talking to. I I just saw an announcement on the internet this morning. Uh, about a new book that's come out uh, about prayer where the fellow that wrote it and you'll probably hear a lot more about this as it as it becomes more popular but the fellow that wrote it says you need to have a casual approach to God when you pray I don't agree you need to remember who you're talking to you're not talking to Joe down the street you're talking to your father in heaven now he is your father he does love you he loves you more than you love you but, but understand, he is God. You need to remember that. And we approach him. You remember how Moses, when he approached the burning bush, what did God tell him to do? Take the shoes from off thy feet, for the ground on which thou standest is holy ground. There was an understanding, Moses, of who you're talking to. Okay. So when you begin your prayer time, remember, you're talking to somebody who has the authority to hear your prayer and has the ability to respond and who is worthy of worship go to that in the next statement that's who you're talking to you're not talking to just anybody this is God prayer is designed for communication between God and his children right and so we pray our father who art in heaven I'm going to remember this is who I'm talking to now there's something about this 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 approach to god in this way in the old testament they didn't pray like this they never prayed our father in the old testament because they didn't respond to god that way they didn't approach god in that way i think the term father is used maybe three times in the entire old testament in reference to god they just did not approach god that way because they saw god in a different way and then jesus comes along lord teaches how to pray pray in this manner our father what Never talked to God that way. Never called God our Father. Never been that casual with God. And Jesus says, remember, he is your loving Heavenly Father. Pray, our Father who art in heaven. Now, what is the importance of that? He, through this effort to teach us how to pray, is telling us up front about the new relationship we have with him. We have a relationship with God, our Father, where you know what? When you come to God by faith in Christ, according to Romans 8, You are adopted into his family. You are his child. You're a son and a daughter of God. He is your father and he is God, our father who art in heaven. Uh, Then he also, um, it also says that I have a relationship with God. that Somebody else doesn't have. Here's what I mean. You had to be born again to even pray. Did you know that? You say, well, prayer is for everybody. No, it's not. Prayer is for children of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, except a man be born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. So prayer is something that a child of God does, real prayer. Otherwise, you're just doing vain repetitions and and to be seen to men. That's the kind of prayer you get from an unbeliever. But prayer is for believers. Prayer is for children of God. Prayer is for those who have been saved. So I come to God understanding that I'm his child, that I've been born into his family, and I have been adopted by him, and I approach him as my heavenly father. I begin our father who art in heaven. But then I say, hallowed be what? Thy name. Let's understand how the Hebrew, how the Jew understood the name of God. There are many different names in the Old Testament and in Hebrew for God. Many different names, and usually they describe some aspect of his personality and some event that has happened by the person that's using that name in the text. Many different names. The main one is the name Yahweh, which was a name, we've talked about this before, a name, we pronounce it Yahweh, it can't even be pronounced by the human tongue if it's, if it's used the correct spelling of it. And the reason for that is they saw God's name to be so holy That you don't even have the right to speak. So this is who you're talking to. Hallowed be. Holy. Precious. Exalted. Lifted up. Be your name. What is the third commandment of the ten commandments? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God. In what? In vain. We're, We're to see God's name as being holy. And we're to have a reverent, holy, proper response and approach to the name of God. Okay. Hallowed be thy name His name is identified as holy What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to be holy? I think people today have forgotten what that means First thing it means is it means separate His name is not Joe or Charlie You see, it's separate it, His name he identifies him as being someone else Separate from us He's not like us We've, we've created a false god today We have a god that we, we have created that's like us And that's not not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to become like him, not him like us. We've got it backwards. See? Hallowed be your name. You're you're different. You're separated from us. You're perfect. You're glorified. You're sacred. You're lifted up above all others. You remember Isaiah chapter 6, when he sees that vision of God on his throne, all he could say is, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's all he could say. When he saw God, he understood who God was. Do you, when you come to God in prayer, remember who you're talking to. You're talking to our God who is exalted above all creation. Who is separate from all creation. God is not part of creation. He's the creator. He made everything. He made you. And that's who you're talking to. And then we pray, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Our prayer should be, for the earth, earthly rule of god here for god's rule to be here in this world our prayer should be that not the democrat or republican party is in charge but that god is in charge our prayer should be that he is our king and we see ourselves as part of his kingdom and we'll serve him as such thy kingdom come you know our greatest desire ought to be for his return when he comes back and establishes the eternal kingdom okay our greatest prayer thy kingdom come but then the next statement thy will be done Thy will be done we're praying for god's rule here to be exactly like it is in heaven okay can you imagine you know one day uh, there's Uh, One one day when when we're in heaven, when we're part of the eternal kingdom in heaven in the future, we'll see God's presence and power and his influence and authority over the eternal heavenly kingdom and his will being done in all things. But the prayer here that Jesus is, is leading us to do is pray thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven just like it is in heaven now before we go any further i want you to understand i'm not going to pray these things word for word but these points are index points i'm going to pray thy will be done now i'm going to pray about god's will being done in the world i'm going to talk to god about that see that's just a guide to lead me into praying praying that that type of prayer lord how can your kingdom come here how can i be a part of your kingdom how can I serve you better as my king? Things like that. And then you pray at this next point, give us this day our daily bread. You know, this is the one that I think most people have trouble with. Let me tell you why. Remember who these people are? Jesus, the disciples, those that be around him, listening to him at this point, they are Jews. And in their history, they remember an event that happened early in their history when Moses is leading the Jews, the Hebrews, through the wilderness. After they left Egypt, they're on their way to the Promised Land. You remember something that happened in the wilderness? In that wilderness, it was a desert. Wasn't anything out there. And they didn't have anything to eat. and no food. They didn't even have water to drink. And God did what? Those of us have been coming on Tuesday nights and having our Bible study on Tuesday, reading through Exodus, we remember that God provided Manna or bread that came down from heaven And every morning they get up and there would be bread on the ground Just go out there and pick it up And they were told to pick up enough for today Because tomorrow there'll be more Okay, Except on the Sabbath you pick up enough for two days And then after the Sabbath there'll be enough for more If you got too much it rotted Okay, But there was always enough there Every day it was always provided And when Jesus tells them pray Give us this day our daily bread That's got to be in their minds They remember that story from early in their own history that God provided every day. You know, when we take prayer lists or when, when people send in prayer requests to ministries or churches, we get long lists, don't we? You know, I need this, 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 and this. We're never told to pray that way. We are never, ever told to pray that way. We're simply told to pray that God would provide our daily needs. That's it. That's all. And by the way, This is the only point in the prayer where we ask for anything. So what are we doing? We're saying, Lord, it's not actually a request. It's a statement of faith. We're saying, Lord, I know that you're going to provide my daily needs tomorrow. So I'm going to trust you. You remember what what Jesus said when he asked, uh, he said that even the number of hairs on your head are numbered and you can't turn the color of your hair from one color to another, anything like that. Said he knows when, that God knows when when a bird dies and and falls to the ground, he knows that. And he said, don't you know you're more important to the Father than that, and that he'll provide your needs? You know, I should really, I I was thinking about this as I was studying this, this text. In this form of prayer, in this approach to God, the more mature we become as believers, the less I'm going to ask God for any kind of material blessing because I need to trust him to provide what I need because Jesus said more than once, he already knows what you need. He already knows. So why why do I need to give him a list of other things that I really don't need probably, just what I want, right? Don't need to be approaching God that way. The idea is I am going to trust God to provide food and shelter and whatever. And it'll be there Can you ever think of a time that God let you down No My goodness no God's always provided We've always had what we needed all right? We may not have always had what we wanted But you know Somebody that just gets uh, is just after what they want That's not a servant of God That's a spoiled child Okay We've always had what we needed Give us this day Our daily bread, our daily provision, that which we need. God provided bread from heaven, water from a rock. My goodness, everything they needed, there it was. Hey, God blesses, God provides. And in our prayer life, our prayer ought to reflect that. And then pray, forgive us our debts. You know what a debt is? A debt is something you owe. are two words that are used in scripture and in different translations of this particular prayer also. One is the word debt, one is the word trespass. They have a different meaning. A debt you owe. Most of the translations, English translations, I looked at several yesterday, most of them use the word debt. And that means that I owe something to a creditor. I owe him something that he deserves for me to pay. I owe a debt. A trespass means I've gone over a line. I went where I shouldn't have gone. See the difference? But he says here, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Why does he say, forgive us our debts? Because we can't pay them. (laughs) You know? You can't pay your debts to God. You don't have that ability. I'm morally and spiritually bankrupt when I come before God. Somebody else has to pay this debt. This is a reference to salvation. Forgive us our debts. That didn't happen until the cross happened. Forgive us our debts. Then he he makes a condition, it's the next point into prayer, and he even says something about this after the prayer, as we forgive our debtors. He goes a little further at the end of the prayer and says, if you want to be forgiven, you need to forgive. See, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then the next one is kind of interesting. People, uh, maybe they're often confused about it. Because I I was, for, for, for the longest time, lead us not into temptation. Does does god ever tempt us to sin well no james tells us that that he'll never he'll never tempt you to sin all right because that's not what jesus is talking about when jesus shares this prayer with the disciples lead us not into temptation it hadn't been very long this is early in the beginning of his ministry it hadn't been very long since jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days remember that story before he began his public ministry he goes in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days i want you to to see in chapter four go back to chapter four matthew and look at verse one it's the temptation something interesting here then was jesus led up of the spirit you might see the, the word spirit as a capital s which tells us this would be the spirit of god then was jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil spirit of god led jesus there to go through temptation not to prove anything about jesus not to prove anything about uh, your ability to handle uh, temptation because that's not what it was about it was to show the victory and the authority and the power of god over evil That was the purpose of the temptation. Jesus came out victorious. Jesus knew when he went in there he was going to come out victorious. God knew that Jesus would come out victorious. That was all understood from the beginning. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by the devil. That's what it says. My prayer is lead me not into temptation. Father, please do not lead me where jesus went because i won't make it i won't make it here's the idea i need to understand if i'm going to have a a relationship a faith relationship with god my absolute total dependence on him for everything I cannot stand up to temptation without his involvement. I can't do it. I will fail every time, and you will too. I've seen it too many times through my ministries. I deal with other people. We just think that we're strong enough to live a good, godly life without God's help. You'll fail every time. Lead us not into temptation. Don't don't let me face what Jesus faced. He was able to get through that. And since he got through it, he can help me to get through it. On my own, I don't stand a chance. You don't either. Lead us not into temptation. You know, Jesus was the second Adam, Paul called him. The second Adam. And he faced temptation and he came out victorious. How did the first Adam do when he faced temptation? He didn't do so well, right? He failed. And you know, it's always been amazing to me the first Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, they had a relationship with God that was well beyond anything we've ever experienced. They saw God face to face. They talked to him like you would talk to a friend. Okay? They had that kind of relationship with God, and yet when temptation came, they failed. And the way I can tell it in that story, the first time temptation came, they failed. Lead us not into temptation. You know what, what I'm saying when I pray to God that way? I'm praying that I need his help. I'm praying, I'm, I'm admitting and agreeing with God about the fact that I'm a sinner. And I've given in to temptation many times already. That's, that's the point of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And then the next statement, and deliver us, the English the King James says deliver us from evil and what I found out, it actually says in the original Delivers from the evil one. Lead me not into temptation where Jesus went and protect me from the one that Jesus had to face when he was in there. Do you understand that everything we're going through in our country today has a spiritual basis to it? Everything that's going on, the moral, the political, all of it. There's a spiritual basis to it, and we'll not have victory over it until we approach it through a faith in God and trust in his power and ability to defeat Satan, because that's where all this has come from. We're in a spiritual battle right now. We've got to pray now more than we've ever prayed in our history. We're, we're that close. I, I'm not ranting and raving about politics today, I'm simply telling you the biblical truth. We are that close to no longer being a nation. That close, right now. Today, what we're facing must be approached through faith in God. What we're facing in our nation today will not be solved in Washington. It'll be solved through the hearts and lives of believers. Deliver us from the evil one. And then the last statement in in Matthew's version of the prayer, he says, um, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's not in Luke's version, that last statement. And then from what I can find out, that's a doxology. It's a word of praise that was added sometime later. We don't know who put that there. It was left there because it agrees completely with the character of Christ. This is what he would have prayed for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and what an appropriate way to close a prayer lord it's all for you it's all for you pray without ceasing pray without ceasing i'm convinced that the more mature the more we grow in our faith relationship with god the more we'll be able to pray without ceasing so i would encourage you as we did at the beginning If you are not involved in a daily Bible reading routine, start it tomorrow. I'm going to get up early in the morning. I just think you need to do it early in the morning because you need to start your day that way. I hear people say, well, do it late in the evening if that's more convenient for you. No, this doesn't need to be a matter of convenience. This needs to be me saying, I need God's help today, so I'm going to start the day out that way. Get up a little bit earlier. Read some scripture. Do that every day, every day. And God will begin working through his word. And pretty soon you'll pray without ceasing. You will. You'll just respond to whatever you're facing through the seed that's been planted in your life through the word of God. Let us pray. Let's close right now and pray. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord for the ability to come before you and to communicate with our father and lord we hear what you have to say as we read your word your written word we see what what you have to say to us so i just pray that you'll help us to make a commitment to reading your word and applying it and using it in our daily lives father help us to remember that prayer is not about me it's not to lift me up. It's not to solve my problems. Prayer is about lifting you up because we recognize you as our Heavenly Father. So Lord, I just pray that you'll, uh, you'll help us to focus on who you are in our lives as we serve you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And in The invitation as we close this morning will be A Room at the Cross, number 315.